Welcome to Strength for Today's Pastor, conversations with current senior pastors and leaders which will strengthen and help you in your pastoral ministry. And now, here's your host, Bill Holdridge of Poyman Ministries. Welcome to podcast number 78. Today, we're going to be talking with Danny Lehman on the subject of vision. Specifically, we're going to be talking about a biblical pattern for seeing and receiving God's vision for our lives and ministries. So those of you that know Danny Lehman, there's no introduction needed. Those of you that don't, he's been working with YWAM for many years and also been working uh, with Calvary Chapel pastors and as an elder of Calvary Chapel Honolulu. And he's the author of a number of books and his latest book, which, by the way, is excellent, all of them are great, uh, is entitled The Next Big Thing, How Little Choices Can Make a Big Impact. Danny lives in Kona, Hawaii with his wife Linda and serves currently as part of the leadership team for YWAM Kona. And I want to just thank you, uh, Danny, for being available to be with us. Uh, it's great to be with you. Hope I can be an encouragement to the pastors. Amen. Amen. Well, as we proceed with this discussion, I think one of the things that's important, Danny, is that we clarify, and that is that for pastors anyway, Jesus gave us a very clear vision statement that all of his followers have to go with if we're going to be obedient followers of his. And and the vision statement he gave us, we call the Great Commission, Matthew 28, uh, 18 through 20, but also uh, we have the Great Commandments, Matthew 22. Uh, loving God with all our heart and loving our neighbor as ourselves. So we're not trying to say that there can be different big picture visions, as in Matthew uh, 28 and Matthew 22, uh, different from the instructions of Jesus. But what we are talking about is vision that comes from hearing God's voice, getting his heart, finding out his mind with, with regard to how we are to implement the Great Commission and the Great Commandments. So, Here's the question. Danny, you've been all over the world. You've done all kinds of things. You've worked with lots of pastors. You've served with Youth with a Mission for an, a lot of years. So about vision, what what is what has it been to you? How important has it been for vision to be in your life? And, and what have you seen about some of the important aspects of having vision? Um. Well, one of the things, uh, there's that famous verse in the Proverbs that says uh, that where there is no vision, the people perish. But another translation of that says where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. And so it's the vision itself that is the restraint on your activities. In other words, if your activities are not pointing towards the vision, uh, Philippians 1.10 in the NLT says um, that you may may understand what really matters. And what really matters is keeping in line with the vision that God has given you. Now, of course, way YWAM goes, we're a highly vision-driven organization. In fact, it just it gets dizzying sometimes, especially our founder is 85, and he's got more vision. He buries us in every meeting we're in because he's constantly pushing towards the completion of the Great Commission. And uh, that's a very easy... Uh, vision goal. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Nehemiah uh, in this broadcast, but Nehemiah, he had a vision. The, he was either going to build the temp- build the wall of the temple or he wasn't. And that's how he can know whether or not the vision was accomplished. And so in the same way, the vision has to be, uh, some people say AIM, attainable, intentional, and measurable. And so uh, Lauren's vision was a, a literal vision that he had when he was uh, in his 20s 
of uh, of waves crashing against the seashores of all the world on a world map, and those waves turned into young people. And now, sixty years later, we look back and go, "It's it's not fulfilled yet." But we've had uh, six million uh, kids go through our programs worldwide. We have about twenty five thousand staff as we speak with about 32,000 students going through our schools every year. And all of them are taught from the first day they land that we're here, not for ourselves, but for the completion of the Great Commission. And so we cast that as a vision before them. And so, and, and Lauren has this, I, I use this word apostolic, he's just got this anointing where he can impart to you the vision, and so then you can impart the vision to others, kind of a Second Timothy 2.2 kind of a thing. So Lauren... It, it was a little bit more simpler than this, but for the sake of time, he's in Switzerland in 1970. He'd done a couple of schools. One guy says, I'll take England. Another guy said, I'll take France. And another guy said, I'll take Brazil. And another guy said, well, I'll take uh, India. And then a guy named Kalafi Mawala came by from Tonga. And then I met him through a divine appointment in San Francisco or Santa Cruz. And then he recruited me in, and his vision was unreached people groups. So then my branch of YWAM that I jumped into f- was focusing on Kalafi's vision of how are we going to do that. So we started talking more, not so much short-term, but long-term, and church planting and unreached people groups. And we entered into the whole um, broader vision of church planting and sustainable um, disciples being made. Because the, the idea in Matthew 28 was to make disciples. You're either making a disciple or you're not. It's very easy to see how to do it because you teach them to obey everything Jesus commanded. So the vision was very clear within YWAM, and we happen to have a founder that had a literal vision, and then he imparted that vision to others. And one of my friends in India that I, I worked with in the early days, uh, he had literally had a vision of fires burning on the maps of all of the cities of India. That was 30 years ago. We look back now. We've got 150 different bases in India, 2,000 full-time Indian workers, all living by faith. And I don't know how they're making it through this uh, pandemic. Um, they're, they're not making it. So some of them are really almost not starving, but they're really hungry. And But they still have the vision before them. And I think there's the compelling power of the vision. But we're all, we're all familiar with visualization and all that, which is off. But that doesn't discount the need for vision because we perish without it. So you've, you've described so well the, the difference between the biblical mandate, the Great Commission, and then on an individually localized basis or on an individual basis. What does that look like? How, what do I do with this? How do I fulfill my role and what God wants me to do in fulfilling the, the big picture Great Commission? Well, uh, Lauren's wife, um, Darlene, came up with a little three-spot thing. And if anybody says, what's YWAM all about? She says, it's listening to God, doing what he says, and not, not giving up. And so the, the thing is, we got to get, get the initial leading clear. Did God say this? And that's where you have to go to the scripture. You have to go to counsel. You, you do your basic checkoff points of whether or not you're hearing God's voice. Uh, circumstances sometimes, if the money's not there then you still got to press on with the vision. But if the money never shows up, you got to come to a place where you go, well, maybe I missed the vision. And then you go backwards and try to figure out when you missed it. But God fulfill whatever he speaks, he fulfill. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by, comes by a message from Christ or the, or the word of God. And the, the, the word there is rhema in Romans 10. And so uh, I don't make a big deal out of rhema logos because that can be used interchangeably. But still, I think for the sake of our discussion here, there's a word of the Lord you get. 
Um, uh, Lauren had a vision for ships to serve the nations. And this is interesting. Um, oh, 15 years ago or so, we had a, it wasn't a bad conflict with bad blood, but the mercy ships, the big giant ocean-going vessels that we had did not fit in financially and with some of the principles that we went by in YWAM. So we had a, a peaceable split. But Lauren still had a vision for, for ships. So Don Stevens, one of Lauren's main disciples, he took off with Mercy Ships, and they're building a ship right now at $100 million or more dollars from scratch. Somebody's giving them a bunch of money. So we're going to have two or three ocean-going vessels that are giant Mercy Ships. We've also got 27 smaller ships that are a part of what we call YWAM ships, which is right, based right here in Kona and in New Zealand and in England. And so we've got 27 ocean-going vessels around the world because even though we might have and who knows it was kind of a Paul and Barnabas thing who was right who was wrong nobody knows nobody was in sin kind of like Paul and Barnabas but um, Lauren said well but God spoke to me about ships and so the younger guys take that and they just went off and now we got all these ships and, and I'm, I'm I'm part of YWAM ships here in Kona oh I didn't know that that's that's amazing you know I just live right down the road from Mercy Ships uh, here oh, in you're East in Texas. Te uh, oh, <laughs> yeah. Stop in and see Don. Stop in and see Don Stevens. He's a oh, great guy. I, I want to. I, I remember listening to a couple of his uh, sermons. The one on atonement from Daniel chapter seven, I think five. Daniel five was just incredible, and you probably remember that. But uh, yeah, great, yeah, I'd great love guy. To meet him. Yeah. I'd love to yeah. meet him. Yeah, that, yeah, I'll be doing that. We've only been here a few months, so this is so exciting to me. I remember. The first church I started, Danny, up in the Monterey Peninsula, and I it was really clear, you know, that I was supposed to go up there and heard the voice of the Lord. It came, as you said, Rama, in prayer and confirmation. Then I went up, and the first year was really, really hard. I mean, anything that I thought was going to happen didn't happen, and I was ready to cash in the chips and head back down to Southern California. And it was right about that time when I was ready to go back that a door opened up out of nowhere and and uh, the church got started. But I remember the crisis of faith that I experienced at that time. It was a really big deal and I thought, and I was fairly young in the Lord, but I, I thought if I'm wrong about what I heard the Lord tell me to do and I have to go back to Southern California and I and if I didn't hear the Lord's voice then when have I ever heard the Lord's voice I mean it was a real crisis of faith you ever had anything like that yeah uh, in fact getting back to I mean I've had it myself as well but getting back to Lauren um, maybe I can tell you mine later on but uh, getting back to Lauren in 1973 was a turning point in YWAM because um, uh, there was a bunch of leaders in Osaka, Japan, and Lauren was getting ready fly, to fly over to minister to them. And uh, he had a vi another vision, and he had, and as they were believing God for the first ship, this was way before Mercy. This was when they were going to get the first Mercy ship, and they had one hundred and thirty thousand dollars pledged toward it. They had money coming in, everything was going good, and he had a vision of a bunch of YWAMers and hundreds of people clapping as the ship came into port, and he saw a man standing in the shadows of the ship. And uh, and he looked further into the vision, and Jesus was the man in the shadows. And we had begun to honor the ship more than we honored Jesus, and Jesus mm. was just in the shadows. And he repented before the Lord. As I understand, I wasn't even around at that time. This was 73. But they had six days of weeping and gnashing of teeth and repenting, repenting of things like using a, a 
YWAM stamp on a personal letter and weeping over that kind of sin, you know, just just deep (laughs) gut level. And Lauren would say that was a turning point in YWAM because we were getting off with we were we were impressed more impressed with the ships than we were with Jesus. I remember in my own personal life. I won't mention the guy's name, but I got in a fight with a major YWAM leader over a really serious issue. Not a fist fight, but I was mad enough where it could have been a fist fight. And um, he, he was over me, and so he overruled me on something that I was convinced I had the word of the Lord on. And I, I had a confrontation with him, and, um, and on the way home, I resigned. I, on the way home from Kona to Honolulu, I wrote my <laughs> resignation letter to Lauren. I said, I quit. I'm going to call Bill Bright tomorrow. I'm sure he'll be glad to have me. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm joining Campus Crusade, you know. At least they're not a bunch of crazy charismatics. And then, um, But the next day, the Lord spoke to me, and he said, are you going to let another human being take away my vision from you? I want you to be in YWAM. That's what I've spoken to you. And, and I've even had my clashes with some Calvary guys over my involvement with YWAM. But did God speak it or not? I'm not serving Calvary. I'm not serving YWAM. I'm serving Jesus Christ. Amen. And that's what I got to That's what I gotta hang on to is what did God speak? And now it's been long enough now where I'm pretty sure I hit the money. But I also was good friends with Keith Green. And he, he was recruiting me to go down and help him with his school while he was traveling around preaching. And I prayed and fasted and fasted and prayed, and God just said, no, don't go there. Go where I've told you. And that's been confirmed a thousand times because, of course, Keith uh, lost his life in a car accident. But last day's ministry went on with the pro-life you know, abortion issue, which I was totally behind, but it's not my main calling. My calling was the equipping of young evangelists to preach the gospel. So that was my bag, and that was my, that was my man in the shadows moment. Well, you've been uh, connected with Lauren Cunningham for so many years and you know you've watched him and I think of my relationship with Pastor Chuck you know mostly watching him from a distance and learning so much you know catching so many things that were essential to my pastoral ministry uh, how about you with Lauren watching him and and observing him over the years what have you learned that's been important to you just just his unswerving it, it almost gets irritating because like for instance right now we're in the biggest financial crisis of our ministry I mean we need millions of dollars right now the COVID and all kinds of other stuff that's happened to us and Lauren honestly shared the need we need this this is what we're going to be doing in the possible he's going to station himself on the ramparts he's going to be like Nehemiah he's going to go down he went down into the garbage dump and he inspected everything gave us a clear word and we're all depressed, you know. He's just giving us this incredibly dark scenario of all these buildings and all this. But within 10 minutes, he's got us looking to the 62 acres next door to the current YWAM base to build a world-class university with an Olympic swimming pool and and uh, track and, and um, bringing in people from all over the world. And he wants to have 5,000 students a year going through our schools. Right now, we have about 1,000. And, and we're sitting there going, how could he be thinking so positively and it wasn't positive confession it's just he's so driven by what God said to him and God said it way before we got into the crisis so he's not going to let the crisis change our minds and one time we were so short on money that we didn't even have enough money in the food budget to help the kitchen to cook the food and he had one of the guys get up and give the bad news and then he got up and started talking vision for getting a Bible into every home in the world that's that's just a side vision that he has he's, he's got this end pie in Bible Poverty Now program, and he's, he's he, I think he saw all this progressive stuff and liberal stuff coming down the road with with vision, 
And so he said, we've got to warn ourselves and we've got to re-up on our commitment to the Bible as God's word. And we're, we're getting hit a little bit by the progressives, but nothing like some of the other youth ministries in the world that are just going for social justice activism at the expense of the gospel. And our young guys are very committed to the Bible. So, and that's also a part of, part of Lauren's vision. That's fantastic. That is so great to hear. And he's 85 years old. And just turned 85. He's, he's continuing to do this just like he was, you know, 50, 60 years ago, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. And, he, you know, he's moving like an 85-year-old guy. He kind of shuffles across the stage, but his mind is as sharp as ever. Wow. And, and he, he just um, he doesn't want to hear anything about unbelief. You know, he just hates unbelief. Huh. <laughs> if God said it, <laughs> let's do it, you know. Yeah. And uh, I might tell a little, a little story here that's kind of close to home. Uh, regarding vision and regard to passing on vision, my son Daniel's kind of a prophetic kind of a guy, and he's a worship leader here in Kona. And um, he was when we were in Honolulu, there was a Foursquare pastor there that had a church of about 150, and I ministered there pretty regularly. And it was called Hope Chapel, and the pastor's name was Mike Kai, who was a um, youth pastor under this guy named Ralph Moore, who did a bunch of churches in uh, Hawaii. And um, Daniel was praying one day, and he got a vision about Mike. And he went to Mike, and he said, Mike, do you believe in prophetic words? Now, keep in mind, Daniel at this point was probably in his 20s. Mike Kai was probably in his 30s. And, um, and Daniel said to Mike, uh, uh, do you receive prophetic words? He said, yeah, sure. And he said, well, I got a word for you. You want to receive it? He said, yeah. He said, your vision's too small, and you're limiting God's activity in your ministry because your vision's too small. And Mike said, and he recorded it in one of his books, Mike said, I went away from that conversation. I said, who is this young whippersnapper to come and tell me I don't have enough vision? I got a mega church going here. And so, you know, I had a mega church of 200. But um, he, he tested it before the Lord and took it off. And now that church is the second largest church in Hawaii. They've already started several other churches. They're all over the world. And Mike Kai is this rising star in Hawaii. And it started because Daniel had the guts to deliver the prophetic word to him, you know. Because I'm, I'm always nervous. You know, being a public figure, you have all kinds of charismatic Pentecostal nuts come up to you and say, God gave me a word for you. And you go, okay, yeah, that, I'll Again? listen, but I ain't going <laughs> to. That's a great story. I, I had yeah. no idea. That's that's great. Yeah. yeah. So we've got encouragement on both ends of the age spectrum here. You know, yeah. for the young guy that's in his 20s, he gets a word from the Lord, go for it, share yeah. it. And then a guy that's, of course, like Lauren Cunningham, 85 years old, mind is sharp, keep going with what God's given you. Yeah. Amen. And you and I, we're in between. <laughs> yeah. Getting older every day. But I, that's what I, that's one of the things that I've learned is sometimes the young guys will come to me with a vision and I've got to be really careful. My wife has really helped me. Don't shoot down their vision. You know, don't shoot the wounded. They might not have it right and they might say something. And the first thing that comes into my mind is been there, done that, don't work. But God says, no, 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 they don't need your unbelief. You need to stand behind them, give them some guide rails, uh, guardrails along the side of their vision, but don't kill their vision because it might be they got a couple details wrong or they might have the timing wrong, but it's still a vision from God. And we older guys need to be careful that we don't squash the visions of our younger people, and, you know, especially if we've been there and done that. Yeah, and you're an evangelist, so you know, I'm thinking as an evangelist, I, I love the passage in John chapter 4 where Jesus you know, has been speaking with a woman at the well. She goes into the town. She says, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. 
a group starts following her back to where Jesus is by the well, and then Jesus tells his disciples, lift up your eyes, look on the fields, they're white unto harvest, could very well be that these are the people that are joining the woman in returning to Jesus. Yeah. But he wanted them to see the harvest. That's mm-hmm. really important for them as, as soul winners and fishers of men in the future. They had to see the harvest. Yeah. I guess that's probably been very, very important to you as well, I can imagine. Amen. That's right. Yeah, that's great. Amen. Well, we've been uh, taking time with Danny Lehman of Youth with a Mission, and now we're going to take a quick 20-second break. We've been listening to this conversation on the subject of having a biblical vision in ministry. Hang in there. We'll be right back. You've been listening to Strength for Today's Pastor. Appointment Ministries appreciates your participation and prayers. If you'd like to help financially support this podcast, you can go to our website at appointmentministries.com forward slash donate. Thank you. Okay, we're back. So, Danny, you're a you're a huge Bible guy. I know in, in uh, conversations with you over the years and listening to you speak and watching some of your YouTube clips and so on. I know you're based your, your views on vision on the solid ground of Scripture, and you outline five key points about asking for, receiving, and implementing a ministry vision that the Lord might give us. And each of your points is taken from either the book of Nehemiah or the book of Habakkuk. So maybe you could just kind of run through those with us uh, one point at a time because I think it's just so solid in how you're approaching all of this, and it's encouraging for us to develop a vision and think bigger. You know, uh, Daniel's word to uh, that pastor, your vision's not big enough. I mean, that's not a word for every pastor. Some pastors, their vision is the right size, but but who doesn't need to be challenged that way, right? Yeah. Well, in that particular situation, the pastor was facing a big money challenge, which we all face but that's where Daniel, and he was getting ready to move into the shopping center, and he was, and, and I'm kind of an older brother to this guy, Mike, and so I was walking with him and praying with him, and, and he's saying, should I step out on this million-dollar project in the shopping center? And I'm going, I can't tell you yes or no, but I'll pray with you, because I, <laughs> I didn't want to prophesy and get caught with my pants down, you know? So, uh, but anyway, um, he... Uh, he stepped out on the financial challenge, and now it's, it's like it's multiplying like crazy. But the five points, uh, being a preacher, I had five points starting with a P. But the one is the area of prayer. If you look at Nehemiah chapter 1, he already apparently in his heart kept a vision for whatever God wanted. And then he said, he realistically looked at it. He said, the people are in great distress, uh, and um, the, the wall's broken down and the gates are burned with fire. That's the reality of the vision. So as a result of that, from verses 4 to 11, he prayed. And I think that's the important thing about you just, the, the whole positive confession, I hate to beat, on, beat up on these guys, but the whole error with the positive confession movement is I can dream up something in my head, incubate it in my heart, speak it into existence. And that verse about speaking things which be not as though they were is about, God doing it. It's not about us doing it. Yeah. And but anyway, the prayer it, it shows his humility. He he had what we call identificational repentance. He personally wasn't the. It's like Paul saying he's the worst of sinners. Nehemiah said, uh, "We have sinned and we've done this evil and we repent." And that was the prayer. And I think that's the main thing is 
the vision needs to be God God breathed and it's like God entrusts us with the stewardship of the vision and that includes our stewardship and I think this is implicit in the text of Nehemiah was walking with God and he was already having his quiet times every day and just serving the Lord and then he had this opportunity to fulfill this God-given vision to rebuild the land and there's a very interesting verse on vision as I'm thinking about it in Second Peter chapter 1 it says add to your faith virtue into virtue knowledge into knowledge temperance and temperance etc it says if these things be in you you are neither unproductive or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ but he that lacks these things is blind and cannot see afar off forgetting that he was purged from his old sins so making sure we're walking in those kind of Peter's um Peter's, uh, what you might call it, fruit of the spirit there. Uh, if you're walking in those things, then you can see clearly into the future. But if you're not walking in those things, then it's you got to deal with that thing in the place of prayer. The second thing is the posture, and that's doing the possible. As I said earlier, Nehemiah went down to the garbage dump, inspected it, he got his boots dirty, and he saw the situation. And when it comes to that, if we're going to be taking offerings for visions to come to pass, um, we've all got to jump in. Uh, in. Speaking of Calvary Chapel in Honolulu, we were facing a 10, 12 million dollar project a couple of years ago and uh, you know we were short on money and the pastor put his home up uh, on the chopping block and one of the assistant pastors put their home in other words I'm with you Bill now I would have done that but I didn't have any money at the time so I couldn't (laughs) and I didn't have a house so I didn't do it but three or four people in the church put their money where their mouth was and they bought into the vision as Bill had cast it now you look at Calvary Honolulu we've got K through 12 in a school we've still got the church going we've got bookstores and radio stations and all kinds of stuff and Bill Stonebreaker is an interesting visionary whereas Lauren tends to be flamboyant and very enthusiastic when he's preaching Bill is a very steady Freddy you know even Stephen kind of a personality he casts out the vision but he doesn't do it with a lot of hype and yet God still blessed it because he did the possible uh, that was there the third thing is the details of the vision which is um, a prophetic word what did God actually say and that's where we got to be careful because you can overdo God's vision I talked to a guy recently uh, who told me about Oral Roberts University Oral Roberts University a few years ago was multiple tens of millions of dollars in debt and um, Oral was getting much older now and he needed help and somebody came in and said, uh, Oral, the, the Oklahoma oil boom is over. The money's not coming in. We've got to cut costs and so forth and so on, but I've got to have you give me the bag. So Oral sought God for a couple minutes, <laughs> gave it over to this guy, and he rescued ORU. And ORU, I was just there a couple years ago, is doing really well. But it's because the original vision that Oral had for a Christian Pentecostal university was from God, but there were was, there was several things that got in the way, and they almost lost the whole thing. And God will let a vision go down the drain if, like, we keep Jesus in the shadows or if we start trusting in man, like trust, trusting in the oil money. And I'm not accusing Oral of that. I'm just simply saying we got to be careful uh, to stick with the details of the vision and not to... Uh, not to give up on what God has said. The fourth is the proliferation of the vision. And this is where you've got apostolic leaders. Like I can name, uh, we've got a guy named Jim who went to Jim Steyer. He went to Bethany Bible College, was in the Assemblies of God. Uh, The guy's got a club foot. He went through a divorce. He was broken and beaten down. And Lauren got a hold of him and fed him with vision. He took off with his wife uh, uh, to um, Brazil 
Fast forward 30 years, and now we have 2,000 full-time workers in Brazil. And, uh, you know, we've got the Brazilians are just... Whenever I get a chance to hang out with Brazilians, I hang out with them. They are so on fire for evangelism. They're not even dealing with any of this, you know, social justice. Uh, and I'm not against social justice. I'm just saying the, the substitutes for the gospel, they don't want to hear any of that. They just want to preach the gospel and church, church plant and so forth. Um, there was a guy named Sun Gun. Um, another guy that was just going through hard times, but he was a Korean guy, and he took the vision. Now we've got over 2,000 Koreans multiplying around the world. And uh, in fact, I'm going to meet with a Korean right after this, one of the, one of the fathers of the Korean movement. Uh, but, um, and then I, I had my own apostolic vision, which when I took over for Kalafi, when he moved to Japan to plant churches, I just followed on with his apostolic vision. And, um, and India, for instance, was one of the feathers in our cap. We started with one, no, we started with two bases in 1983. Now we've got 150 bases. The Americans are mostly gone, uh, but it's all being run by the Indians now from, from the top up by Kashmir, reaching Muslims down to the south with the um, Keralites and the Tam Tamils and so forth. And then the last one is the perseverance or the death of a vision. And that's what you were talking about, Bill. And oftentimes... And we tend to blame it on the devil, but oftentimes it's God perfecting us and putting us through that fire. I know that Revelation 2 verse always bugged me. You know, why can't we get the fire? Why can't we get the gold some other way? Why do we have to go through the fire to get the gold? <laughs> I'm going to talk to the Lord about that when I get to heaven, but I think I know what he'll say. It's in your weakness that I'm made strong, and I've got to beat you down, Danny, because you're just, you want to stick your mitts into this, and I want to do it my way. And, and that's part of the perseverance of the vision you just got to keep going uh whatever happens and and we're in an interesting time right now in the body of christ um churches are losing money uh, some of the churches that have opened up partially uh, i heard a statistic the other day that now this is a third hand report i heard so this is just a by way of turning turning us on to this that 15 percent of those who left couldn't go to church because of the covid and tuned in by by uh email by by uh Zoom, 15% of those have not returned back to the church when they opened up. And it could be they're just afraid, which I'm hoping is the issue. Yeah. The other issue could be, ah, who needs church? I can sit back and watch it uh, from my living room with my pajamas on. And that's not God's vision. God's no. vision is to multiply churches. And uh, so that that's the thing we're going through now. In YWAM, we're facing one of the biggest, at least in Kona, one of the biggest um, crises in our history with regards to money. And we can't even bring any students in, even if we had a money. Even if a billionaire gave us a bunch of money, we still can't get the students in to train them. So we're in a, a pickle, but God's bigger than our pickle, and we're trusting God's going to get us out of it. And hopefully you'll have me on your program in a year, and I can say, oh, let me tell you how God did this. But <laughs> right <laughs> now I deal. can't do that. It's a deal. So you got the five points, and that last point I so resonate with. I remember listening to, during my time of the death of the vision, actually listening to a two-cassette uh, teaching by Lauren Cunningham called The Price to Lead. And that totally changed my perspective. And so went back to Monterey after my fated attempt to leave. <laughs> and I was now encouraged to believe the Lord, not knowing how it was going to happen, but it did happen. And uh, it was amazing. And sometimes it just takes that perseverance uh, my friend Bob Coy, I went to visit him one time when he had about 150 people in his church, and uh, he didn't. He was going to fold it up. Not a, he didn't even have 150. He had less than 100. And he called back to this was back in the old days when Odin was the um, 
kind CCF of the, the guy, guy to, yeah. CCF mm-hmm. guy. And Odin gave the Chuck Smithism, oh, give it another six months and see what happens. Uh-huh. <laughs> and Bob, uh-huh. Bob didn't want to do that, but he did it. And then, of course, his church began to explode. Yeah. And I think to this day, that church has you know tens of thousands going to it. But but the, um, the the issue had to do with it was a timing of the thing, and maybe you just need another six months. And I th- I, I think I heard Skip Heitzig's testimony. It was a lot like that. Was yep. just kind of slugging it away. Not many people getting saved, and kind of discouraged. And people are leaving, and and then boom. And that's where you just got to trust in the sovereignty of God. But the key is. Keep your hand to the plow, keep going toward the vision, and don't get diverted away from the vision. Amen, amen. So the first point was prayer for the vision using uh, the example of Nehemiah and Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. I love that because it all started with the empathy that Nehemiah gained by hearing the news from his brother Hananiah about the condition of the walls in Jerusalem. And I, I think that's how God's mercy works. It starts with his empathy, and then his hand moves to rectify or redeem a situation. So that was the first point, prayer for the vision. The second one was the, the, you gave me was the posture for receiving the vision. And where was that from? What was the text there? Uh, that was well in Habakkuk. It would be you know going onto the ramparts. In Nehemiah, it was him actually doing the possible and going down into the garbage dump. He, he didn't just stand up from a you know, some kind of an exalted position. He got his hands dirty. He went down. He inspected things, and he said, "Our God can do this thing." And then he began to cast the vision, which, of course, was the proliferation in number four. Mm-hmm. He began to cast the vision to the younger guys, and then they were able to run with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that—that's been such a thrill in YWAM. Um, we've got a guy right now. He's thirty, thirty-six or something. Just a young guy. His name's Andy, and he packed out three soccer stadiums a couple of months ago, right before the COVID. And and uh, in Brazil, and hundreds of thousands of people watching by by Zoom and Skype, and uh, he just had a he just had a vision to to inter- and it wasn't even so much evangelism. They, they had Daniel Kalenda, who was who was um, Reinhard Monke's um, successor. So he preached the gospel and gave an altar call at the very beginning, and the rest of it was intercessory prayer, repentance on behalf of Brazil and on the U.S. And uh, and that that guy's just a young guy, and he's just getting started right now. And I'm one of his biggest fans to try to encourage him. I hadn't heard that, and that was in what town? What was the? Where well, was I think it? it was in Buenos Aires. There was three soccer stadiums. The okay. the biggest one I think was in Buenos Aires, but um, uh, it was called the Send, and uh, it was all about sending people out to the nations. So they had, and and the average age. <clears throat> this is very encouraging for those of us that are having problems with our youth. The average age of the Brazilians was 24. Hmm. So you had the older guys like myself and other guys that were there, and yet um, these Brazilian guys just, I th- they're going to be one of the real forces for world evangelism in the future. Hmm. And we've and a lot of that gets way back to Jim Steyer's vision that was a broken guy at Bethany Bible College, and Lauren said, hey, you can go to Brazil. And, and that's the way, I might be oversimplifying it, but one guy said, you know, I'll take France, and another guy, I'll take Switzerland, and... And uh, another guy took England, and then we went into South America. And then later on was Asia, and that's where I came in, was with this guy, Kalafi. And he was actually, you talk about a prophetic voice, Lauren Cunningham saw the big picture of world evangelization, but there were several leaders at the time. Their vision was short-term missions, two-week outreaches, and let 
the denominations do the church planting. And Calafi got up at a meeting and he said, well, you say the Great Commission is your vision, but if you're not going to church plant among unreached people groups, then, then you're, not, you're not chosen to complete the Great Commission. And Lauren got up behind him and totally backed Calafi up. And, you know, some of the guys were a little muffled, but when Lauren says it, he was the, he was the leader, and Calafi had the prophetic word. And um, now we've got, out of our 25,000 workers, we got about 3,000 doing direct church planting among oh, unreached people that's, groups. That's great. And, and most of what we do is schools, but yeah. we do church planting where there are no churches. And even, even sometimes when there are churches that are kind of dead, we'll start churches. But we try to be careful to work alongside of the local churches and mm-hmm. serve them mm-hmm. as long as they're good old AOG or Foursquare or Baptist or Calvary Chapel or something like that. So all of this, this whole picture of YWAM and what has happened with it over all these years now, started with the vision that Lauren himself had going way back when. Uh, and you told the story. Tell that again. 1956 so he would have been in his early 20s mm-hmm. and uh, he was in prayer and uh, God just gave him a vision a literal vision of a map of the world and he saw the waves breaking on the seashores of the map of the world it was it, it was not a literal map it was a, a visual map and then he saw the miraculously the white water from the waves crashing on the beaches became young people who were moving inland uh, to preach the gospel, and it was young people. That was the big deal. Now, keep in mind, this is 1956. Jet travel was not very accessible in those days. Going into all the world was, yeah, we can do that when we're at war or when we have to go. This is 1956. This is 10 years from World War II, but, um, but he still had that vision, and it was also among young people, and he was getting challenged when he went to his Assembly of God leadership and he had this vision, and they said, hey, it sounds like a good vision, you know, young man. Um, why don't you just take, you know, 25 or 30 of our AOG young people out on vision? He goes, well, I wasn't thinking of AOG. I was thinking of the whole body of Christ from every denomination using young people. Joseph was a young person in the Bible. Daniel was a young person. David was a young person. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was young, and he, and he preached this message about youth, and the average denominational way of sending out missionaries was you you graduate from high school you go to four years of bible college then you go to a couple years of internship and then you do a couple years of seminary by that time you're 25 or 26 you've gotten married you got three kids and you're not going to go to the mission field so lauren said why don't we get them while they're young and um and also make it interdenominational and they said well you know and and actually on his way home from Springfield on his way back to California he got in a horrendous car accident his wife's uh, head split open in the back he crawled over in the middle of the New Mexican desert and uh, crawled over to her and the Holy Spirit spoke to him and he said you're still going to serve me Lauren? Wow. And, and this is in his book and, and uh, he said Lord I, I have nothing else I've lost my ministerial papers I can't, I'm not an Assembly of God mission minister anymore my wife is dying he said pray for her so he prayed for her, and then he found out there were under, inter, other intercessors in different parts of the world that God spoke to him in the middle of the night to pray for her healing. And Anyway, she's doing fine. She's 80, and she's going twice as strong as Lauren is now. But it, it, was, a, it was a real test. Now, God didn't cause the accident necessary, right, but he, right. u- he used it to test Lauren's vision. And he's really big on the, um, the testing of the vision. The t- you know, in Psalm 116, it says, it says, The word of the Lord tested Joseph. So the word of the Lord itself, the vision itself mm-hmm. can put you through the test. Mm-hmm. And um, 
you know, in YWAM, we, you know, we're, we're always facing tests with different people that come in from different denominations, and they might want to push their particular thing. We just go, hey, let's just keep, keep steady on the vision. Mm-hmm. And I always like to quote Pastor Chuck, who said, I don't care how high you jump, just make sure you're walking straight when you land. <laughs> yeah, there and, you go. Uh, and so we got a lot of guys that jump up and down, and, and I'm, I'm kind of getting to be an old fogey now, so I'm going, well, they got to do it. You know, and I'm going, oh, my gosh, I sound like my parents did in the 60s. <laughs> and and, um, and I, I've got to watch that and say, you know, some people preach the gospel even out of envy and strife and yeah. some of goodwill I rejoice the gospel's being preached so that's why when I'm around these young wild Pentecostals I just go as long as you're preaching the gospel making disciples man I got no beef and as long as you stay to the Bible being God's word as your guide yeah so your point <laughs> is that a vision that God gives us is definitely going to be tested and so stay there so those three things that uh, Lauren's wife said about you know what YWAM is all about can you repeat those again yeah obviously spend time in prayer and listen to God as best as you can uh-huh. whatever he tells you to do do it it might be giving five dollars in the offering it might be um, you know just doing some simple thing uh, one of the things that happened in YWAM's early days in Kona again a money crisis we owed the bank a couple hundred thousand bucks and if we didn't have it by next Tuesday we were going to lose the property and get yeah. kicked out on on our on our rear ends and they sought the Lord and the children got a vision of everybody in tents like they did in the Old Testament the Feast of Tabernacles so all of the YWAMers left the buildings put up tents the kids led us in intercession I I wasn't actually there I was in Hawaii but I wasn't there in Kona at the time but I was just on the phone and they said if we don't have the money by next Tuesday we're dead and um, the kids had this vision The, the YWAM staff moved out of the buildings and into the tents and they prophetically speaking back to God in a sense said Lord we didn't serve you because of buildings and we're not we're not faithful to a vision of buildings we're faithful to the vision of the word of the Lord and we'll stay in tents till Jesus comes back if that's what you want and you know Monday evening at midnight you know, <laughs> God came through and somebody sold a property back in Minnesota and gave us the money and, and uh, it was just glorious and who would have known you know but so we've got all of these Ebenezer stones in our past and it's really helping us with faith now because we're, we're facing like this major crisis right now and with the COVID thing we don't know when it's going to end up but um, but we've got enough at least I hope we have enough faith from the past as we've seen these stones of remembrance being laid up in these stories. And each one of these guys from Latin America, Africa, and Asia, they've all got their own stories that have nothing to do with YWAM and Kona. Mm-hmm. They're just out there. Uh, Lauren, I, I saw Lauren on, a, on his way back from Indonesia a couple of years ago, and I said, what's happening in Indonesia? He said, I have no idea. The, the, the ministry's growing so fast in Indonesia, I don't even know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> but it's Indonesian brothers, and now we've got about six or 800 Indonesian staff in the largest Muslim country in the world setting the place on fire, and that's because they had their own visionary leaders among the yeah, Indonesian yeah. YWAM guys. That's great. Well, we're going to wrap up this uh podcast Danny but as we do I want to give you an opportunity just to share directly with the senior pastors or the leaders that are going to be listening to this about this subject whatever the Lord's placed on your heart this is your time to speak directly to them well, I would just say to um, 
Number one, it, 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 the vision is not invented by us. You can't just say, well, I'm going to be a visionary. Um, I think what you need to do is just to obey the, whatever God has spoken to you in the past. Uh, um, one of our YWAM teachers, Joy Dawson, she used to say, if you find yourself confused, get back onto the on-ramp that you left the freeway. So go back to the last time you heard God clearly and do what God told you to do clearly. And maybe you mucked it up a little bit. Maybe you, maybe you missed a detail here or there. But that's when we lean into the character of God. He's a good God. He didn't put you out there in the wilderness to die. Uh, he's allowing you to go through the wilderness so you can test him and, and so he can test you and see how faithful you're going to be to the vision. God's taken 10 steps towards us. We got to take one step toward him. But at the same time, uh, to recognize he's a good God. He's not going to let us fall on our faces and, and, uh, he's going to, he's going to, you know, fulfill the vision that he's given to. But in Habakkuk, it says the vision is for the appointed time and write the vision down, uh, that he that reads it may run. That's Habakkuk 2 2. And, um, I've talked to many, uh, Calvary pastors and other pastors over the years who were, you know, just feeling like giving up. And we're in a time now, even in the States, you know, even without the COVID, of um, young people that are confused. Uh, we got a lot of the superstars within the, within the, um, the modern day expression of the body of Christ that are not hanging on to the Bible. We've got error coming in. We've got personalities that are taking people away, taking young people away into error. We just got to keep, keep to the plow, keep doing what God's called us to do. But being careful, we don't confuse the wine with the wineskin. The wineskin may change, and when and just church history shows us, as time goes on, we older guys tend to get stuck in our ways. We tend to say, we've always done it this way. We said it to the folks that gave us the, the baton back in the 70s, and now the young guys are looking for something else. So just to, to encourage them to record these stories. What Lauren and Darlene did a couple of years ago, they tra- this was on the 50th anniversary of YWAM, they traveled around the world, went to 43 different locations, and they had, and they still have what they call DNA conferences. And they say, this is our DNA. With Calvary Chapel, it would be verse-by-verse Bible teaching, casual ministry, you know, non-religiousness. The vineyards would have their values. The the, um, YWAM would have their values. But uh, the thing about young people, we always got to concentrate on young people. Being interdenominational, we can't let that go. Uh, trusting God for our support. Nobody in YWAM gets a salary. And that, that has been tested many times, but we would probably have about 2,000 people in our midst if we paid salaries. We don't pay salaries, we got 25,000. And I think it's a directly attributed to the fact that nobody can be in it for the money. In fact, I had a prophet after me a couple of years ago that was accusing me of false doctrine, which, of course, why would anybody accuse me of false doctrine? <laughs> <laughs> but this guy didn't like me, and uh, he was just uh, accusing me of this. And one of the things he said, and, and another thing about you, uh, you not only twist the Bible, but you're in, you're in YWAM for the money. And I told my wife, I said, this guy's got to be deceived because how can I be in YWAM for the money when I've never received a dime for YWAM? Matter of fact, I got to pay YWAM for the privilege of working for him. It's a totally <laughs> twisted thing, you know? <laughs> All right. Welcome to YWAM, right? Yeah, that's great. Wonderful. Well, thanks for that, Danny. I appreciate it. I've, I've really been encouraged. It's always encouraging to, to talk with you. And, you know, one of the things that just dawns on me as we're sort of uh, at the end here is that you know for somebody that needs a a shot of a vision 
one of the things that's just a natural help is to be around those that have it. Yeah. That's a big thing. I mean, you know, you have this culture of YWAM. You have these Ebenezer stones. You've got all these stories for 60 years of YWAM history that you can go back to, and you've got your own personal experiences. That's tremendous. And, and just being around guys like you and others within YWAM and Calvary Chapel and any other uh, group that's seeking to fulfill the Great Commission, that's really important. Be around vision, guys, to have vision. That's That's part of it. Yeah. Very important. Yeah, that's good. Well, you can uh, Google Danny Lehman and find out more about him and his ministry. I went over to YouTube the other day and did a search on YouTube and all kinds of different studies that he's done, all kinds of different sermons, and you can see him in living color there on the screen. It's wonderful. He's written a lot of books on evangelism and discipleship and the spiritual life, the disciplines of the spiritual life. And then, like I mentioned, the the most recent book, The Next Big Thing. And that, I, you know, I tried to find that on Amazon. No go. I bought it myself a while back so that I'd have a copy, and I read it. It was really good. Uh, but I found it on alibris.com, so if anybody's mm. interested, they could find it on that site. And you can go to dannylayman.org uh, as well. So thanks again, Danny, for joining us. And uh, it's been a blessing. Hope we can connect soon. And I'm going to take you up on that next year thing. That sounds like a great idea. We'll find out yeah. how, it all, how it all shook out. Another yeah. story of faith, a testimony of faith. It'll be a good one, I'm sure. I'm sure it will be. Well, before we go, I'd like to encourage all of you to visit our website at poimanministries.com forward slash podcast. And we're now cataloging these podcast episodes for easy reference. So you can visit the website also and discover other ways our team can help encourage and strengthen you and your ministry. We'd love to hear your feedback or follow up with any questions you might have. And if you send us an email at strongerpastors at gmail.com with a question or comment, then I'd be happy to pass that on to Danny. And, and if it's uh, something that he has the time to address, I'm sure he'll, he'll be able to get back to you. But yeah. from the staff, pastors, and board of directors here at Poiman Ministries, we wish God's very best upon you and your ministry. So long until next week. Strength for Today's Pastor is sponsored by Poiman Ministries. You can find us at poinmanministries.com. That's spelled P-O-I-M-E-N ministries.com. If something in today's program prompts a question or comment, or if you have a topic idea for a future episode, just shoot us an email at strongerpastors at gmail.com. That's strongerpastors at gmail.com. May the Lord bless you as you serve Him, His pastors, and His church.